0: Turn, please, to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. And while he was still talking with them, there was a messenger coming down to him. And then the king said, Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait For the Lord any longer. Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? And would you just look at your neighbor and just say, wait just a little longer. Tell the neighbor on the other side, wait just a little longer. Be seated in the house of the Lord. Lord, bless your word and bless me as I share it. In Jesus' name, thank God. Amen. Each day, the fellowship of dedicated Christians is broken by those who feel that they can wait for the Lord no longer, that they're not going to wait any longer for the Lord. The expected results of walking with God have not taken place in their lives according to the projected schedule that they had felt in their hearts. So they decided that some alternative strategy would be more productive. Here's a Christian sister who grows tired of a period of hardship and loneliness An immoral alternative presents itself which promises economic prosperity, fulfillment, and companionship. Before her is the question, should I wait for the Lord any longer? A young Christian brother is overwhelmed by a flood of relentless temptations and sinful allurements. He grows weak and verges on stumbling. And he asks himself the question, should I wait for the Lord any longer? Here's a saved husband confronted by a series of agonizing conflicts with his mate. He finds that he's deriving less and less fulfillment and pleasure from his marriage. The alternatives are trusting in God to assist him and give him wisdom, love, and strength to resolve the problem in his marriage or leaving his wife, leaving his family, leaving his children, leaving his home, and leaving his God, finding other companionship for his life. The question is, should I wait for the Lord any longer? There's a Christian mother. A Christian wife. She grows weary of the rude and crude, brash, and unappreciative atmosphere of their home. She comes to the point of being fed up with a negative and hostile environment. So she too comes face to face with the question, should I wait for the Lord any longer? There's a beautiful, virtuous young lady confronted by the sexually obsessive connotations of our society. She's on the verge of being lost in confusion between what the world is doing and what the Bible is saying. And so she asks the question, should I wait for the Lord any longer? Should I hold on to my virtue, my self-respect, and my salvation? Or should I throw it all away? And I'm sure that many who hear my voice today face some kind of temptation. Anybody here facing some kind of temptation? Some kind of boredom some kind of adversity, some kind of sorrow, some kind of disappointment which causes you to be asking, should I wait for the Lord any longer? The king of Israel was the person who asked that question years ago. He was in a predicament where everything seemed to be going wrong. There was a famine in the land. There was no rain. There was little water. The crops were dying. The animals were dying. And then his enemy, Ben-Hadad of Syria, had ordered his army to besiege the capital city of Israel, Samaria. The Syrian army was larger and stronger and better armed than was the army of Israel, better located strategically, and it had an advantage of having launched a surprise attack against Israel. The Syrians surrounded the city of Samaria, isolated it for a long period of time. They permitted nobody to come in, and they permitted nobody to go out. The food and the water supply was soon exhausted. Men began to faint from lack of, Of nourishment. Children with bloated stomachs and gaunt faces were lying on the ground, too weak to rise up and walk. The people were so hungry that they would eat almost anything. They ate all of their animals, all of their livestock, even those animals that it was unlawful for a Jewish person to eat. They ate them, and not only did they eat them, They went to the most detestable extremes. No Jew would eat the flesh of a donkey, but they ate their donkeys, and the head of the donkey was the most detestable part of a donkey for eating, but they not only ate the heads of donkeys, they were willing to pay the equivalent of more than $40 for the head of a donkey just to consume it. Dove's dung was sold for food for the equivalent of more than $2.50 per pint. I imagine that there was a plant called, I realize that there was a plant called dove's dung, a plant called dove's dung that grew in Israel. But most commentators agree that the biblical writer in 2 Kings 7.25 did not have reference to a plant. He had reference to dung, doves, dung. Their desperation of food drove them to inconceivable depths of humiliation. Worst of all, they were driven to cannibalism. Two men agreed to consume their infant sons for food. First one woman's son and then the other. And when they had consumed and killed and consumed the first son they became hungry again and the second woman hid her son away in an attempt to save his life and the first woman went to the king to protest and rather than dealing with the controversy between the two women the king was overwhelmed by a flood of despair he tore his clothing fell before the lord in agony and in grief Just a short time before, the soldiers who were in the Syrian army had launched another attack against Israel. And when they launched that attack, the prophet Elisha spoke the word before God and blindness struck the Syrian army. And they were captured by the king of Israel. But Elisha came back and said, listen, uh, God has blessed you too capture them. Now I want you to let them go. And Elisha prayed for them and their sight returned and they were released to go back to their homeland in Syria. But then it was these same men who had been released before that came back to attack the king of Israel at this time. And all of this trouble had come, the king felt, because he had obeyed the man of God and had released his enemies aforetime. He thought about the fact that his people had been driven to cannibalism and driven to despair and driven to eating doves dung and driven to eating their own children. And he went in and said to Elisha, the Lord has allowed this trouble to befall us. And it does not seem that the Lord is going to help us. I think we better forget about God and do something else. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Elisha answered, let me give you some reasons why you should wait for the Lord a while longer. And to those of you who hear me today and you're asking the same question, my answer to you is yes. You should continue to wait on the Lord. To wait on God is to rely on God. To wait on God is to trust God. To wait on God is to continue obeying the will of God and doing the commandments of the Lord. To wait on God is to avoid turning to any other alternative source for help or for release. To wait on God is simply to wait on God. And we should wait on God, because in most cases, there's really nothing else we really can do but wait. Reason number one, wait on God, because there's nothing else you can really do but wait on God. Because most of our efforts are really vain without God. The Bible says in Psalm 127, verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keeps the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. If you don't wait on God, what are you really going to do? What can you do? Someone said, without God, we can do nothing. Acts 17 and 28 says, for in him we live, and in him we move, and in him we have our being. And so you should wait on God, because there's really nothing else you really can do that will work and advance your cause, but wait on God. And then wait on God, because who else is there for you to wait on? Deuteronomy 4.35 says, unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God, and there is none else beside him. Nobody like God in all the universe. Nobody who has his power. Nobody who has his might. No matter Nobody who has his ability. Nobody like God in all the earth. And then number three, you should wait on God because it's your place to wait on God. When well, you look toward your neighbor and say, it's your place to wait on God. That's the role you're to play, waiting on God. Jeremiah 10.10 says that the Lord is the true God and he is the everlasting King. And it's always the servant's place to wait on the king. The servant is never justified in asking, should I wait for my king any longer? Yes, he's your king. You should always wait on the king. But then beyond that, we should wait on God because of who God is, not just because of what God does. We should serve him. We should love him. We should praise him because of who he is. Whether he answers our prayer, whether he meets our need, whether he heals, whether he works it out, if he does not deliver us, he's still God. And there's no reason for us not to wait on the God of all the universe. If you love him, clap your hands and give praise to God. Hallelujah. Habakkuk 2.20 says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. It's your place to wait on God. And then another reason we should wait on God is because God has waited so many times for us. Hallelujah. When he should have brought his wrath down upon us, when he should have turned his back on us, He still tolerated us, loved us and waited on us just the same. We should wait on Him because so many times He has waited on us. He did not leave you when you refused to accept Him. He did not forget about you when you were angry and, and disrespectful toward Him. In many areas of your life, you have disobeyed God and God has waited and God is still waiting on you. So you should wait on him because he waited on you. I should also say that we should wait on God because we owe it to God to wait. Oh, tell your neighbor, you owe it to God to wait on God. What God has already done for us places us in a deficit relationship with God. I said what God has already done for us places us in a deficit relationship with God. We owe him. We owe it to him to wait on him. He's blessed us so many times. He's come through for us so many times. He's stepped in just in time for us so many times. He has uh, lifted us out of dire straits and dire predicaments so many times and this time you ought to wait on God also. Tell your neighbor you ought to wait on God this time also. How you gonna let God do so much for you? And then when it seems that God is not doing exactly what you want him to do and things are not turning out exactly like you would like for them to turn out, that you're going to throw in the towel and throw up your hands and walk away from God. No, God has been too good to you. He's brought you out of too many tough predicaments, out of too many tough spots. God has lifted you when you were down and given you joy when you were disturbed. You owe it to God to wait on God. We are in a deficit relationship to the Lord. Then also, let me give you another reason why you ought to wait on God. You should wait on God because the worthwhile fulfilling values of life reside in God and in the will of God. Let me say that again. The worthwhile fulfilling values of life reside in God and I am the will of God and therefore you should wait on God. Whatever it is you might reach for has no value when compared to the value of God and God's will in our lives and the things that God would bring into my life. Jeremiah 2 and 13 says, For my people have committed two great evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water and they have hewn out cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water visualize a man walking away from the fountain of fresh pure spring water and choosing to drink from a hole in the ground that is leaking and contaminated and drink that lukewarm non-nourishing non-fulfilling water when there is a fountain right there when we turn away from God We turn away from the God of all the universe in whom is all value and all righteousness and all truth and we turn to broken cisterns that can hold no water and benefit us in no way. Peace is in God. Joy is in God. Goodness is in God. Beauty is in God. Fulfillment all reside in God. Everything we need is in him. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we not will not fear. Whatever you need, whatever you really want, it's in God. And therefore, you should wait on the Lord a little longer. We should wait on God because we are error prone. We are prone to make mistakes. We are prone to do the wrong thing. And if we don't wait and go out on our own, we shall surely fail. The Bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. How many of you in the house of God can look back over your life and see some times that you wish you had waited on God instead of doing what you wanted to do? Trust in the Lord. With all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. We should wait on God, because to wait on God shows God our love, and it shows God our respect, and it shows God that we honor him enough to wait on him. Is there anybody in the house that really loves the Lord? If you really love him, you'll wait on him. If you love him, you'll honor him. If you love him, you'll respect him. Waiting on God not only shows our love, but it also shows our faith. It is an expression of our faith to wait on the Lord. You should wait on God because if you get ahead of God, you may ruin what God had planned to give you. Tell three people, don't ruin it, don't ruin it, don't ruin it. God has plans for your life. God is preparing something for you. Hallelujah. But you've got to be in the right place to receive what God has in store for you. I said God has something wonderful in store for you. But to get it, you've got to be in the right place to receive what the Lord would give you. Reverend Ike used to say, if you want your pie by and by, then I'm not your man. But if you want your pie right now with ice cream on top of it, then I am your man. But what Reverend Ike did not realize is that it takes time for a pie to get done. I said it takes time for a pie to get done. If you don't wait on it, then you'll enjoy, you won't enjoy the pie at all. Because you snatched it from the oven Too early But listen, you've got to mix up the ingredients And then you've got to put the pie In the oven And go somewhere and sit down and wait Until the pie gets done If you pull it out of the oven Too early, you won't enjoy it And it'll be detestable To your taste But will you look over at your neighbor and say God has a pie Just for you Don't rush it You've got to wait on God. You can't hurry, God. You've just got to wait. You've got to trust Him and give Him time. No matter how long it takes. He's a God you can't hurry. But He'll come, don't worry. He may not come when you want Him. But He'll be right on time. Will you tell two people He'll be right on time hallelujah you should wait on God because God said wait the Bible says wait on the Lord be of good courage and he will strengthen thine heart wait I say on the Lord the Bible says in Psalm 37 and 9 those that wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth And God says to us, be still and know that I am God. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But we should wait on God because God has a miracle with your name written on it. Look toward your neighbor and say, neighbor, God has a miracle with your name written on it. If you get ahead of God, you'll ruin your miracle. Don't miss your blessing. We left a worried king of Israel a few minutes ago talking to the prophet and asking the prophet, should I wait for the Lord any longer? The prophet said, King, wait just a little bit longer. And possibly some of you, as I've said, are asking the same question. You've waited for a long time and life is not working out like you would like for it to work out. You've waited for a long time and you're still by yourself. You're still broke. You still don't have the job that you desired to have. You've exhausted your mind. You've exhausted your resources and you're saying, shall I wait for the Lord any longer? The prophet said, wait, because, king, there's nothing you can do. If you reject God, you'll starve if you stay in the city, and you'll die if you go outside the city. If you refuse to trust in God, there's nothing but failure in your pathway. Only God can say to your soul, live on. Only God can say to your soul, it's all right. Only God can step in when it's beyond your control and bring you out of your dilemma. Only God can make your enemies be at peace with you. Only God can open doors that you cannot see. Wait just a little longer. Wait because God is about to work in your life. Will you tell your neighbor God is about to work in your life? God went to work for the Israelites and for the king. God set up a stereophonic soundstage in the middle of the wilderness, in the dark of the night. All of the Syrians were lying sleeping in their beds, in their camp. God set up that soundstage and he caused the sound of thousands of horses and thousands of chariots to come sweeping across the plain when the Syrians heard the sound of horses and when they heard the sound of chariots they leapt up from their beds they didn't bother to put on their shoes they did not bother to put on their robes they just jumped out of bed and began to run they did not pick up their wallets they did not get their treasure they did not even get any food They heard the sound that they thought were their enemies coming upon them and they began to run. They ran 20 miles all the way to the Jordan River. They plunged in the Jordan River, swam across, got out on the other side and began to run some more. When God gets behind you, then you've got to run. You've got to move. You've got to get out of the way. Oh, bless the name of God. The Israelites inside the city did not know what had taken place. They did not know the mighty deliverance that the Lord had wrought. And some of you, the Lord has already worked your miracle, but you don't know what God has done. You don't know the way that God has made. Hallelujah. So the Israelites were just there, but someone let them know. We went into the camp of the Syrians. There was nobody there. Their horses were there, but they were not there. Their chariots were there, but they were not there. The silver was there. The gold was there. Food was there. More than you could ever imagine. Come on over into the camp and see if what we're saying is not true. The king didn't believe it at first, but he went over anyhow and began to look around in the Syrian camp. All of the Syrians were gone. There was flour there. So much flour that they could sell two bushels of flour for just a dime. Meal was there and corn was there. So much corn was there that they could sell it for a dime a bushel. Everything they needed was there in the camp because God made a way for them. They waited on the Lord and the Lord brought them out. They waited on God, and God worked a miracle for them. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings just like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. Child of God, you may be discouraged. You may be on the verge of giving up. You may have prayed, but nothing happened. You may have cried but nothing happened. You may have waited on God, but nothing has happened. But I just come back to tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. Tell two people, don't give up. Wait just a while longer. Don't give up. Your miracle is on the way. Don't give up. I see you rising up out of your predicament. Don't give up. God is for you. And if the Lord is for you, nobody can be against you. The Lord will bring you up. The Lord will bring you out. The Lord will bring you over. Help me praise him. Help me praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I heard the Lord say, lay that weight." upon the lord shall renew their strength they'll mount up on wings just like an eagle they'll run and not be weary they'll walk and not faint child of god don't you dare get weary don't you dare give up don't you dare throw in the towel the very moment that you give up might be the moment that god was going to bring you out Will you tell your neighbor the very moment that you give up might be the moment that the Lord would bring you out. Come on and praise him. Come on and praise him. Hallelujah. 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 Job, what do you have to say about it? You lost everything. All your money all your houses all your children all your flocks you lost your health Job, what do you have to say about it job said though he slay me i'm still going to trust him i'm going to wait until my change come he knows the way that i take when he has tried me i'm coming out of this i shall come forth shining like god grab your neighbor by the hand and say neighbor you're coming out you're coming over by the power of god oh yes oh yes oh yes hold on hold on hold on it's going to be all right going to bring you out. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. Tell your neighbor joy is on the way. Peace is on the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Jesus, you're having it rough. People have rejected you. Many people have tried to stone you. Now they've beaten you and crushed thorns into your skull. They're spitting upon you. They're hitting you. They're leading you to a cross. They're driving nails into your hands. Nails into your feet. life is ebbing out of you now they're burying you in a grave should you wait for God should you trust him should you serve him hallelujah I hear Jesus saying Oh, yes, I'm going to serve him. Because I've got a third day on the way. And though I've got to die on this cross, on the third day, I'll be back again. Would you tell your neighbor on the third day, I'll be back again. Jesus. Jesus. was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He died for us. But on the third day, he arose from the dead. Child of God, I understand what you may be going through. I understand the burden you might be bearing. I understand the sorrow that you might be feeling but your Savior rose from the dead on the third day and if your Savior arose I just want everybody to stand up because I want to say I see you getting up again would you tell three people get back up again get back up again get up again get back up again get back get back up again don't you dare lie there don't you dare give up your savior arose from the dead and there's nothing worse nothing worse than death and if Jesus could overcome death he can help you overcome anything that you might deal with if you believe it clap your hands and give praise praise to God praise to God i